They're going to struggle now or they're going to struggle later. Right? How do we help them through it? How do we... And they're going to challenge now and they're going to challenge later. Right? They're going to, they're going to be strong-willed now. <laughs> we don't want to break them of it. We want them to be strong-willed later in a, in a way that's, right, that's directed and bridled. How the heck are you? Better than I deserve. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, too. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. A lot of things going on. I'm, I was a little late getting on the call this morning, so I apologize for that. I'm, uh, oh. I was actually on a business call, so it worked out well because I just had you. I had this up, and I was dealing with uh, other things. I said, look, at some point, they're going to jump on, and I'm going to have to get off. So gotcha. we finished up just before you jumped in. Perfect, perfect. So I think this week we were going to talk about uh, challenging spirited mm-hmm. and and or all of the above strong-willed kids yeah and i'm excited <laughs> for a couple reasons okay one i always learn from our discussions about this and two i've gained some insight over the last couple of weeks that i haven't shared with people oh well let's just start with your insight cameron because that's that gets me going Okay. So, um, just, just so everyone's aware, I have three kids who have the diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder and they, uh, and then I have five neuro neurotypical kids or kids without the diagnosis. And I suspect, you know, there's some things that can come on there. Yeah. Yeah. It adds up to eight. So, which, you know, when you're talking to anyone else, you're the one that's kind of weird because you have a big family too, but. Right. Okay. So here's the insight. So I, hold on. Before you, before you get into your insight. Yes. There's there's different levels of autism, right? I mean, for those. Oh, who are, yeah. Yeah. So the, it, it's kind of a spectrum and there's a lot of different ways to describe it, but let's describe it this way for this conversation. Okay. Uh, on one end of the spectrum is level three more severe. Yep. Those are kids that may not be able, that may be nonverbal, that have tremendous difficulty um, communicating, understanding. It's definitely a, it's not a different way of thinking. It is a disability. Yes. Okay? Let's, let's just, we're going to put that on the table. And I have a, a son who's more, who is more severe and struggles with just common normal things he struggles with those and level three will require help and aid and support for living for a lifetime yeah yep then there's level two which is kind of mid-spectrum that Mm -hmm. will still require support but uh have the ability to manage things at a higher level let's just Mm -hmm. put it that way Yep. And then there's level one, which is, you know, people get offended when you use the wrong terminology, but I don't care. I'm just going to say they're high functioning. They have some issues that are, they're a struggle for them. There's different things, but they are capable of things that typical kids are capable of. They'll go to co- They can go to college. They can hold a job. They can do a lot of these things. But high functioning doesn't mean easy either. No, no. OK, let's let's be clear. Nothing, none of this means easy (laughs) because there's different struggles for every different area. Yeah. And and 
for those who aren't on the spectrum, that doesn't mean easy either. That doesn't, you're right. You're Especially right. if they're spirited, challenged, willed, or challenging. Yes. So, yes, yeah. I will say that it does help as soon as, as a dad, as soon as I had the first diagnosis, it, it was a lot of fun for me to recognize how many of the attributes that I just thought were typical that I had, that then my kids had that are not typical. And it's just because I have some of the attributes of someone on the spectrum. I don't have a diagnosis and I'm not claiming one, uh, but I, let me just say this, I relate strongly to certain behaviors and certain things. And I'll give this example. I didn't realize that most people don't have a number that bothers them or will not leave them alone. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you don't, that's okay. But those who do know, it's, it's a number you see all the time. And if you see a license plate, your brain makes a pattern so that it reflects that number. For me, my, my number is 16. Why? I don't know. You shouldn't have told me, Sam. <laughs> not leave me alone. Yeah. So all of a sudden you're just going to be doing things where it's like 15 and 17. 17 is the worst number. But anyway, the, it, yeah. the numbers won't leave me alone. And I have a son and it's seven and multiples of seven. And mm. when he was talking, about it. I was like, well, yeah. In, in back in the day, when we would reserve a movie theater seat, he'd be like, "Hey, could we get that one?" I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Oh, I see. It's a it's divisible by seven. He's like, "Yeah," and it's a it's a good one because it's it's two, but it you know, yeah. And I got it. Understood him. It wasn't weird. Oh, I didn't realize that that wasn't typical for most people. I just right. thought that was normal. So then I'm asking my wife, I'm like, well, what's your number that bothers you or won't leave you alone? She's like, I don't have one. I was like, no, the one that when you're, when you're not thinking of anything, all of a sudden comes to mind. And she goes, I don't have one. I was like, oh, okay. Let me, let me further explain. You know, when you're like peeling an orange, the number you try and get the peels to come off it because mm -hmm. then it's, it feels right. And she was like, I don't have that number. I was like, I don't. I don't understand. How can you not have this number? Everybody right. has the number. And she's like, right. no, they don't. And then I'm talking to the therapist and he's like, yeah, that's, that's one of those things that neurotypical people don't all have affecting them. Some people do, right. but not everybody. So anyway, yeah. So big spectrum, even within those three, there's a spectrum within those three as you get closer to others. And I, I will say that it's rare for someone to go from a level one to a level two, but it's less rare for someone to go from a level two, potentially to level three, if they're borderline and close there, the diagnosis might change based on their ability to, uh, overcome some of the challenges associated with that diagnosis. Right. So let's, so now that we've, in a long-winded way, covered that together. Let's let's yeah. go into your insight. <laughs> okay. So, and this is uh, challenging, spirited, challenging, spirited, or strong-willed. And uh -huh. I'm, not, I'm not sure everybody uses these words, but we're just going to use them for the sake of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, because it totally fits. It fits neurotypical kids and kids on the spectrum. Right. So when 
this is my insight, and I'm just going to state it. When you it you can have much greater influence on the behavior of your children if you give them non-judgmental praise. <laughs> so, praise without qualification. Praise without judgment. And I'll, I'll give you an example. If you've been working with a child to get them to take a shower every day and wash every crack and every crevice, <laughs> you know, because sometimes that's hard. That's hard. For them, I tell you, the stinkiest kids in the world are... <laughs> the uh sixth and seventh grade girls because they all of a sudden they start stinking and they don't realize that they stink but i have five daughters and all of them have transitioned and each one is like Oof. every day not every other day every day you got to wash and you got to wash every crack and crevice mm -hmm. but when you're trying to work on that if you and Sometimes you have to put in some disciplines and sometimes it's artificial discipline so that the natural consequence doesn't label them as the stinky kid in the class. You know, right. you, you got to do what you got to do. Well, when they start to do that, sometimes when you praise them for doing that thing that you've been harping on them, it feels like you're still judging and you're still harping on them. So if you say, ah, thank you for washing your cracks and crevices, or thank you for not stinking. That is a judgmental praise. You're praising them, but you're being very judgmental when you say it. Hmm. Okay. So there's a way to do things that is not judgmental that seems to make a difference for changing behavior. And uh, if your kid takes out the trash, finally, right, you've been working <laughs> with them to do it on their own and they do it and you're like, woohoo, they did it. You don't go and you say thank you for taking out the trash with intensity because then they feel like, oh, yeah, I'm never doing it. I'm never good enough. And they feel judged. But if you say, oh, man, I walked into the kitchen this morning and it was so nice to be able to throw away XYZ because the trash was empty. Thank you. So you, you make it about your life becoming better because of something they chose to do instead of them complying to that which you've been trying to get them to do forever. So compliance, thanking them for compliance is just another way of you harping on them and controlling them. Expressing how great it feels to have your life be improved because of something they chose to do, that's the difference. And I couldn't figure out how to describe it except to say non-judgmental, non-judgmental. Yeah. So what you just said is a, a principle of marketing that I believe in, right? And it goes like okay. this. Uh, the first principle of in, in any good communication, I'll just say good communication in this case because that, that fits better. The first All thing right. is to have something good to say, right? The second okay. principle is to say it well. Uh. And the third principle is to say it often. <laughs> right? <laughs> And yeah. it's, it, it's very interesting. One of the things that, that Shelly and I used to struggle with. And so um, there was two items that my wife didn't like to do, housework items, that I realized that if I took them over, it would make her happy. And so uh, I, I framed it in a certain way, and it was kind of framed like this. Uh, I love my wife. 
I know she doesn't like to do this, so I'm going to do it because that's how much I love her. And she's going to feel my love because I'm going to perform the things that she just doesn't like to do. And those were folding clothes and uh, washing dishes. Now, when I first started doing this, she was very good about saying thank you. But she was also very good about saying how I didn't do it exactly the same way she was going to do it. <laughs> and this, this caused some contention, right? Because here, here I am feeling like I'm serving her and taking some things off her plate that I know she just didn't like to do. And she was criticizing me for it. And so we had a conversation where I said, hey, listen, uh, the reason I'm and I just described it to her the, the way I just described it just now. I know you don't like to do these things. So the reason I'm doing them is because I love you and I don't want you to have to do them if you don't want to. You do everything else beautifully. I realize that. And you do a lot. I said, but. It doesn't when you criticize. I'm already doing it. You're not. You can't nitpick when I do it because <laughs> the dishes are clean and the clothes are folded. So let's let's come to some sort of an agreement here, because <laughs> what I don't want to do is say, you know what, if you're going to criticize me in my mind. If you're going to criticize me, forget it, I ain't doing it. Because why right. am I doing it? I, don't, I didn't want her reaction to me helping her make me stop. Right. right. So I sat down and I thought, okay, I've got something good to say, which is good. I want to do it for you. And I want you to see that I'm doing it for you because I love you. And I want you to feel that. How do uh -huh. I say it well? <laughs> right. And so I, I, I thought about it. Yeah. Right. How can I say this in a spirit of love? So she understands my point and she doesn't feel attacked over it or any of that kind of stuff. Right. Uh -huh. And, and you know, the third part obviously is say it often. Right. And she, after this conversation, I think she realized, you know what? He's doing it because he loves me and I don't want him to stop doing it. I want him to fold clothes when there's clothes to be folded and I want him to wash the dishes so I don't have to. I right. I'll figure out how to do it on my end. Right. But it was because of the communication we had. Right. And I think you're one of the points you're making very clear to me is we need to be thoughtful. We need to take some time and be thoughtful in how we approach our kids in a lot of different areas, right? Just don't flap our lips at them. Right. right? And it's, I, I call it, you've heard me say this, parenting by default, uh -huh. right? I didn't right. grow up with perfect parents. I learned a lot of stuff from them that may or may not have not been great or good. I'm sure I learned a great, a bunch of good stuff. Yeah. But to parent by default is to me not a great idea because there's, if you take a little time to think about stuff like you do with, you know, the trash uh -huh. and you reframe it and re-say it, your kids, they're, they're performing the, the activity that you ask of them. Yep. Why not get everything you can out of it as a parent, well, right? Yeah. And I love that principle that you, that principle that you just hit on is get the most out of it you can. That is interwoven into all of the lessons that you teach, um, whether you're uh, Hop Up and Hustle is one of my favorite articles of all time. In fact, I just went over it with one of my kids <clears throat> explaining to them, hey, you're going to do this for your mom anyway. Get the most out of it that you can. You know? <laughs> why, why, why do it with a grumpy face and kick in the dirt? You know, just hop up, hustle. 
get the most out of it. You're going to do it anyway. You know you're going to do it. So get the most out of it. And by the way, she liked that idea. Well, and it, the thing is, too, is if you if you personally, there's two parts to get the most out of it, right? Yeah. There's the internal, get the most out of it. I'm going to do this in the right spirit because if I do it in the right spirit and make it fun, I'm going to enjoy it more. Yeah. That's the productive narcissist. Yeah. Right? And then the other side of that is if I do it in the right spirit and do it at, at my best and, and the person that I'm doing it for will feel that, mm-hmm. they get elevated as well, right? It goes yeah. back to, the, we talked about this, the the the, uh, the bar graph, right? Or I think it's, right? There's there's a, a horizontal line and a vertical line. Yep, get as many squares. And the idea is to fill as many squares as you can, right? That's right. And get as much as you can personally out of it, to me, is the vertical line. If okay. I've got to do something, I'm going to make it fun and I'm going to enjoy it to its <laughs> utmost level. And if I have to do it and I'm going to enjoy it, I'm going to make sure the person I'm serving or working with gets as much enjoyment out of it too, right? And mm-hmm. if I get a lot of enjoyment and they get a lot of enjoyment, there's a whole bunch of squares filled in. Yeah. Right? Because you're going to perform it anyway. You have to. There's things you have to do. Yep. And you can get one square, which is I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm going to make sure the person I'm doing it for or with doesn't enjoy it. Yeah. Or, you know, fill 100 squares, 10 high and 10 wide, right? Yeah. And, it, and it's, such a, it's such a powerful framework to look at service or really anything, you know, because people, people see that. One of the things I taught my kids is whistle while you work. Oh yeah. I love that. I, and I love the example of them immediately having results while doing it at work. (laughs) And, and you called me out on it when I, I was working at a warehouse, you know, and I'm doing, I'm cheerful. Um, yeah. this morning I got called in. I, um, I wasn't scheduled to work this morning and at three twenty AM I get a call from my soup and I, I didn't answer the phone. I said, good morning. And you, man, his tone matched mine. Right. So he was excited to talk to me knowing that I started off with good morning and then I was able to come in. So yeah, it's it's really a it's really a powerful thing, right? My my son's one summer came home from college and went to work on a construction site mixing cement by hand. Oof. That's carrying hard work. Carrying bags, carrying Those bags. Those 80-pound bags of oh, Yes, yes. Yeah. And when they went to work, I said, "Now you got this is going to be hard work." I said, "The good news is you're going to get strong. I mean, this is like you're getting paid to exercise." Yeah. I said, "But Whistle while you work. Whistle the two of you. Whistle while you work and see what happens. And they were like, "Come on, Dad." I'm like, "Just do it. See what happens. Test it. Right. See what outcomes result from that." And sure enough, they did. And they, at the end of the day, they got called in and said, "You know, we're bringing back you guys." And it wasn't long before they weren't carrying bags anymore. They were doing other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Simply because they acted like they were enjoying their work. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean. It's, it seems like an unfair, to me, it's, I tell my kids, it's an unfair advantage that you can create for yourself in this world just by, you know, getting all you can out of it and giving all you can out of it, just giving everything you can. So, so easy to do. Yeah. But, and I love how it influences everybody else. Um, so in the family, 
one of the things uh, I did not enjoy camping, right? That was not my thing. I, I, frankly, I despised it. I hated it, but it's something my family always enjoyed. And so as I'm loading up, as I'm doing all the stuff that I would rather not do to go do something that I would rather not do, I had, I couldn't, <clears throat> I could whistle, if you will, figuratively while I worked, or I could just be solemn and be all disgruntled. I chose to whistle. And in, in the end, it, it not only changed what I was getting out of it, it also made it some of the best memories for my family. And now I actually do enjoy camping because I have the stuff I need to make it enjoyable. And, uh, you know, now when I go to load and unload, those are the hardest things, but I know that I can get it done and get set up and then everybody can go have fun and I can just recover. Right. I can, I can be alone while they're all having fun and I can recoup. And what I'm actually looking forward to now is I'm much stronger than I used to be. I'm in much better shape. So I'm curious if this makes camping even more enjoyable where I'm not going to be exhausted after setting up camp. So anyway. Yeah, that's a great point. That, and let's go back to your insights because we, okay. we've stayed away from it a little bit. Yeah. And the insight being say it well. It's it's not really what you say, it's how you say it, right? And in what right. tone you say it. Right. And and that and that and that can become hard. The the point is that can become hard if you struggle, if you have to fight your kids for long periods of time to get them to do something. When they finally do do it, it feels right to say it in a finely way. Yeah. And it's 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 a hard it's a hard thing to overcome, but thoughtfully thinking through it is is very helpful. Yeah, <laughs> you know I've also listened to you talk about um, how people who are advocating for their kids they're so used to fighting the system, fighting doctors, fight trying to get the help their kids need. It bleeds over to into all the other areas of their life, and they're at risk of actually fighting their kids when their kids are doing that which they're they should do. Yeah, you know, it, it's really interesting. I heard something yesterday, as a matter of fact, that's, that, that pounded me between my eyes, right? And, and yeah. uh, you know, I've got this, I think, I think, I, I think I, I'm a pretty good at forgiving myself and giving myself grace, but I also feel the fiery darts sometimes, right? Of, right. And any and when, even when it's not directed to more towards me, and I wrote it down, and it says, "Kids cannot rise above the constraints of their parents." Hmm. <laughs> I thought, "Oh no!" Right? <laughs> and it was really the idea that you know what I've been thinking about ever since then is, you know, we've got these parents that face these challenging kids, you know, and and some. I think some parents, my wife, for instance, was a, a sweet, angelic little girl, right? My wife was, she, I'm sure she challenged her parents here and there. Yeah. But 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 generally, she was just a, a wonderful daughter, right? And her brother was generally a wonderful son. 
I mean, wow. and and they, and I'm sure there were challenges that I don't know about that, you know, they were defined occasionally, but mm-hmm. as a whole, I think my wife grew up in a, you know, kind of being pretty compliant and, and pretty good, not really wanting to fight with her parents and those kind of things. So Did in my first two years, go ahead. That? I was going to ask if it surprised her when all of a sudden you guys had your two oldest boys who were yeah. aggressive, assertive. Was that surprising to her? Oh, she had she she thought she was the worst mom in the world. Like, what the crap is going on? What the heck is right? And I had to, and you know, it didn't cross my mind because they were just me as little boys, right? right. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you getting so bent out of shape? You know, who cares if they. Chopped yeah. a tree down in the backyard. It was only six feet tall anyway. It wasn't really started, you know. But they yeah. used an axe. Where did they get an axe? I said, well, they found it where the axes are. They're six and four. Where what, Are they animals? And I'm like, yeah, they kind of are, right? But, but it didn't really cross my mind that this was new. This was absolutely new for her, right? And, and yeah. And she had no experience whatsoever in dealing with, right? Those, she saw those people growing up, but she was like, I'm not doing that. I know the result of that activity. Uh-huh. Right. I can see where that's going to lead those people. That's trouble. Yeah. Right. And she yeah. was, she didn't want to get in trouble. She just wanted to, right, be a happy little girl and do her things. Right. And, grow. <laughs> and so for her, it was really, it was, you know, first she thought she was a horrible mom. And I said, no, 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 they're, they're animals. They're just feral little dudes, man. Yeah. And she said, well, what's okay and what's not okay? And I said, well, I'll have to hide the ax because the ax probably, they could have chopped the leg off. That's probably, I said, but you know, I mean, they are going to have broken bones. They're going to, they're going to, there's going to be pro, there's going to be things that are going to freak you out that you got to just throw at my feet. Right. <laughs> I mean, just. But the the point is, she was with them all day, right? I'm at work. Yeah, she's wrestling these two freaking animals, and this is a, a a feminine Southern belle, right? And so for her, it was a whole new thing, and it, and it it made me realize how she had to learn as an adult some different dynamics, right? She couldn't parent by default. She had to say, "Oh, I got to figure this out." Let's go. Right. And, and for me, it was it was a different figuring out, because for me, I'd come home and say, you boys better act right or I'm going to whoop your rear ends. And they would they would stand get in line. Right. And that, that yeah. was OK because they were scared of me. But it didn't take me long once my number three son came along to realize that fear was not a great way to lead my boys. Right. And so I had and, and especially my number three son, who's more severe on the spectrum, because he would. He would just as soon fight me. He was right. not afraid. He would, if he yeah. felt threatened, he'd pick up a brick and hit me with it. Right? There was no line he wouldn't cross. And so I realized pretty quickly, yeah, that that leaning through fear and threat, you know, it, it's not a great way to do it because eventually I knew it, it was going to lead them to, when, when you lead with fear and threats and kids feel controlled and they want to escape. And that's not what we want for our kids, right? Yep. And so I realized early on that, especially when Eric came along, my number three son, that you have to lead with kindness and patience and love, and then kids feel empowered. Yeah. Right? But it's really hard when your kids are challenging you to be kind and patient and loving when they're, right? 
when they're challenging yep. you at every moment, every day, everything is defiance. Yep. Why? Yep. You know, it's tough hearing a you know five year old say why, why, uh -huh. why, why, why. Eventually, you run out of patience, right? So it's really something that has to be practiced pretty and consistently. Something else that's really challenging is when they are uh, on their best behavior for one parent, and then oh. for the other, they don't they don't do. They don't do well, what they Well, sometimes do. that's because for us early on, it was because they were afraid of me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so I would say, you know, initially I would say, well, you just got to lay down the law. And they were never going to be afraid of her. Right. Right? She could lay down the law all, they want, all she wanted, and they were going to test those boundaries. <laughs> they wouldn't test the boundaries with me, right? And part of that is, is consistency. But again, when you're when when my wife really couldn't, she couldn't lay down the law with fear, right? Nothing. And she really had to bring me along to her side, which is we gotta we gotta create consistency through love and kindness and patience and right all those things that really tend to give our kids what they need to to propel themselves forward, right? Right. Yeah, and also moms are at home. Some moms are at home all day with them, and they just get exhausted. Just exhausted. So that was a yeah. challenge you had to face too. Because <laughs> boys will run you, man. I mean, these little suckers. And you know, I've heard, I've heard too, and I've seen this now a little bit. Boys are harder when they're little because they're they're just animals. Yeah. But girls get harder when they become teenagers because they start to go through the different things that teenage girls do, and the changes and all those things tend to the emotions become more intense for them and it becomes yeah. a little more tricky. Yeah. I, I have, um, my, my, I have five daughters and they're all different. Uh, one of my daughters, I, when she was two, I recognized that she was completely different than her older si sister. And I, I described her as like, she can feel emotion deeply. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that was true then and it's i think it's still true today but even as a a little one she would feel emotion deeper than her siblings so other people if i for example if i came down on the kids and you know hey that you know that type of intone of the voice uh the other two would be like oh yeah okay sorry and she would just weep you know, as if I had physically spanked her or physically done something, you know, that she could just feel the emotion deeper. So I'm looking forward to someday when she's in a a marriage, she's going to be able to love far deeper uh, and show that far, that caring side. It, it's going to be miraculous to watch. On the other I hand. Love, I love the way you frame that, Cameron. Yeah. I love the way you frame that because, you know, this goes back to strong-willed, spirited, challenging kids, right? Mm -hmm. The goal is not to, the goal is not to change them, right? Or to, to break their will, right? Because if the goal was to break their will, you would, you would have said her, deeper emotions are going to cause tremendous problems down the road for everything's going to be so emotional that she's going to be an emotional wreck all the time 
But you didn't frame it that way. You said she, she, you said she's going to be able to use those deeper emotions to love deeper and right serve deeper and all those the positive parts of those deeper emotions, right? I think all yep. too often as parents we we want to break our kids of their strong will, right? Because we don't want to have to fight with them. But that strong will is a powerful force out in the world if they know how to use it correctly, right? Those yeah. emotions are a powerful thing out in the world if they learn how to use those correctly. And where else, what better place for them to learn how to use those things than in our homes, right? Which takes me back to, to my fear, right? Which is kids can't rise above the constraints of their parents. If we as parents are letting our emotions cause problems, you know, Shelly said this to me one time, and it was the, one of the most powerful things she ever told me. She said, I came home from work one day and she was grinning from ear to ear. And this usually meant something. She had figured something out or she was celebrating a success, right? Right. And she said, she said, I learned something today. And I said, what's that? And she said, when my emotions are more important to me and cause more problems for me, and that's more important to me than my love for my kids, I got to figure that out. Mm. Wow, that's deep. Yeah. Yeah. When my emotions are more important to me than my love for my kids, that's a problem because I'm in my emotions instead of able to serve properly, right? Or when my emotions cause more problems for me and I can't serve my kids properly or love them properly, that's a problem, right? And I think we all we all struggle with this as parents because we're still figuring stuff out too as we go, right? Yeah. I mean- I have this intensity. I have an intensity to me that is frightening sometimes. Sure. And sometimes it looks, my kids were teasing me the other day. And on a couple of occasions, they've seen the intensity and they're like, holy crap. You look like you want to kill us. Right. This is, and, and, and I said, no, I just need you to know how important this is. Well, a couple of days ago, they were like, hey, dad, can you do that face you do whenever you get real intense? We want our friends to see it. I'm like, no, I can't do it. That's funny. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I realized that face makes them believe I can kill somebody. Right. And that I, I don't want to be throwing that face at my own kids. Right. But I, I, I you know, when when. Sometimes I do, right? Yeah. <laughs> I try I, I'm usually pretty level headed now. I don't I don't think it comes out very often. And and I don't ever want it to come out because I don't want them to see me that way. But for them to tease me about it is a good sign, right? Because then I know that they we've talked about it. They realize I'm I'm human. <laughs> sure. And I'm not yeah. perfect, right? But it also, you know, her saying that, you know, leads me back to that that quote. Our kids won't be able to achieve above our level of constraints. And sometimes we as parents are driven by emotions. Our emotions are too big. We let them take over. And our kids mm -hmm. are modeling that, right? They're watching us. I was just talking with a parent a couple of days ago. And I said, how can you expect your strong-willed child to make adjustments to the way they do things and change when you can't? You're set in your ways and you're telling this kid, here's how it's going to be. And this, I'm the parent and you're the child. And this is the way it's going to be. And your child is going, 
I can't wait till I'm a parent. Yeah. <laughs> so I can behave like that and well, not get cool and just throw my weight around, right? And yep. I said, you got it. You got to. You got to. You have to tell yourself, listen. If I want my child to change, if what I'm doing is not getting the outcomes I'm looking for, I've got to change and let that kid see me change and adjust, right? Mm-hmm. And start to think through how I'm going to approach these things ahead of time. It's better to do it ahead of time. Because if you wait right. till you're in the emotion, it's too late. Yep. Right? So have a plan going in. And by the way, what what should make you create a plan is if you get frustrated or you lose your temper or you scream at your kids or whatever it is we do, is that should be a trigger for you to go back and sit down and say, okay, the next time that little sucker does this, I need to have a better plan than scream and yell and act a fool. Yep. The next time my child says, I hate you, mom, it's probably not a great idea for me to flip out and go in my room and cry and then tell my husband who gets home and spanks my child. That doesn't really work. We've tried that. That's not an effective tool. <laughs> yeah. So maybe the next time my kid says, I hate you, mom, I should try something different and see what happens. Right. And be and plan it. Be prepared. And I think Maybe. that's a, a big part of not parenting by default. Right. Is learning from our kids are learning their velociraptors. They're learning how do, how the world works through how we behave. We got to learn what works for them, too. Right. And be able to adjust on the fly as well. Right. Yeah. And just make sure it's principle based. What we're doing is in a spirit of love. Right. That's always a great place to start. So it, it is the place to start the spirit of love. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is, uh, as you know, e- each child is different. I have eight of them. They're all different from each other. Uh, the, the three kids with the diagnosis are different from each other. Kids without the diagnoses, they're different from each other. And we all have issues, whether you're 48 years old, like I am, or six years or seven years old, like my youngest child, right? We all have issues that we're dealing with. Here's the other insight that I've had recently. So the first one was to praise without judgment, which is hard, by the way, try it. Right. You got to prepare. You said it well, you know, anyway, the other thing is to lower the expectation to three areas, to three things. You have to lower the expectations to the child's ability, to the child's willingness, and to, oh, there was one other thing. Oh my goodness, I can't remember the third thing. It was their willingness. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. To And it has to be something that will have, uh, so there's a gratification scale, right? Some, as you, we get older, that we have much more to look back on. And so our memory uh, can go further back. And that I believe we can actually then see further ahead. The, the older we get, the further back we can look. And it also expands our vision for the future. With someone who hasn't experienced life very much, their ability to project into the future is diminished. And if they have a cognitive issue... Their ability to project in the future is also diminished. Right. So you have to lower the expectation to their capacity and to their willingness and then set 
either an artificial reward or have the natural consequence ha- occur within their vision plane. In other words, within the realm, how far ahead that they are able to see. And so for some kids that might be, I don't know, in their teens, that might be a couple months. But for the someone else of the exact same age, that actually might just be a week or a day. So you have to set those expectations and the natural consequences to occur within their vision of play, their plane of vision, the, how far out they can see. And that you can figure that out by talking about their past. And if they're able to process their past by several months, you're good. You can go up several months ahead. If you if they cannot process their past beyond a couple days, okay, it needs to be a lot shallower of a natural consequence. So those were my two insights over the last couple of weeks. I like that. I, I like that because I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about. So I'm not sure about natural consequences in a, in a month range of time. Let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Sure. My two oldest, well, my oldest son, super strong-willed, ambitious, type A extrovert. Okay. He, he could not see, and really still, well, not still, he's in his almost 30 now. But he grew up in a world where he couldn't see past t- today. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> I mean... He and, and I liken it to a velociraptor that's just trying to make it through the day, right? He's he's trying to make sure he's fed. Uh-huh. The and and the problem with a lot of our kids now is we live in this instant gratification world, right? Where they can scroll on their phones and get whatever they want, whatever they want to watch right now. Instant. Nothing no commercial. Yeah. 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 Everything is immediate, right? And so they have a tough time seeing tomorrow sometimes these kids my Right. Uh, my second son, by the way, was a passive aggressive, strong willed child, mm-hmm. which means he would say, sure. Yeah, whatever you say, dad, and then go do whatever the crap he wanted to do. He wouldn't fight with me. Right. He would just go do whatever the crap he wanted to do mm-hmm. and be defiant on his own. Right. My, my first son would say, I ain't doing that. No way. Right. He would yeah. fight me. Number two would just say, yeah, whatever you want, dad. And then he'd go do what he wanted. Right. And so it was, yeah. I had to face kind of both those, those animals, but I also realized my, my introvert would, he was driven by, you know, he would get energy from doing things on his own. So he would, he'd hop on YouTube and teach himself how to play the guitar. Six months later, he'd come up and be playing the guitar. And I'm like, when'd you learn that? He's like, I've been in the, been playing the guitar for six months in my room. I thought he was in his room you know, planning my demise, right? Because how to take over I, the world. If I was in my room for an hour at a time, you're in trouble. I got it's going to be proud. And same thing with my oldest son, right? Uh-huh. So, so one of the things that I tried to do with my sons is, you know, natural consequences are great, but also I would also preliminarily work through with them and say, listen, the reason I'm disciplining you right now is so I want, so you can learn to discipline yourself. 
I love you. I want you to learn discipline. And I apply that. And I'm going to help you with that now because I'm your father and I love you. Yeah. The world doesn't love you. If you do some of this crap out in the world, they'll throw your butt in jail and there will be no mercy, no love. You'll end up in a bad spot real fast. So I I wasn't above saying, listen, that's not going to happen in this house. There are going to be consequences. They might not be natural, but you need to know that's right. A step over where, and I, and I, you probably agree with this. I mean, there's certain things. Oh we yeah. Nip in the bud. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I also took the time to explain to my kids, right? Tried to say it well. The reason mm-hmm. I discipline you is so that you can learn that you can discipline yourself. Yeah. Because I love you. I'm disciplining you because I love you. The yep. world will not do that. Yeah. Right? The other create some discipline for you, help you create that discipline with our help. And I, and I think, you know, that's a, a big part of marriage too, Cameron is we need checks and balances as grownups. Sure. And, and our, and our spouses can be great at that, right? They, they keep us in line. They check us and we check each other pretty regularly. Not, and I'm not saying in a harsh or mean way, I'm just saying, you know, there are things that I thought, yeah, Shelly wouldn't be real happy if I did that. So I didn't do it. <laughs> right. You know, you know what I'm saying? And it was I a do. good check and balance, right? And I still find myself doing that, by the way. I think I've gone farther towards her than when she was even here. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I don't. There were things I would do because I knew she wanted me to do them that I just. I probably didn't want to do as much or right. But I find myself now going, wanting to be closer to where, right. Or things that I, she wouldn't want me to do. I don't even consider now. Right. Or I, and I think it's because I, you know, like you said a couple of weeks ago, we know we need checks and balances, right? We need that person. And I don't want to get away from that too far while I'm on my own. I want to stay close to that. So, so, you know, it's how would she feel about this? How would she handle this? I'm leaning closer towards her than I did when she was even here. Right. I'm more, more aware of it. I think. Yeah. I found myself at a basketball game last night with my, my daughter. Okay. And she, her team is not great. (laughs) And they are, they're losing a lot of games and you could see it wearing on her. Yeah. Right. And so we've had these conversations where I say, you know, you gotta, you're gonna have to play this mental game where you're competing against your very best self, right? The goal is for you to get better, and the goal is for you. Sports should be fun, right? Winning is fun, losing is not fun. It never is. But you've got to play some sort of mental game that that you stay in it and you keep having joy, and you keep competing against your better self, right? Because so, if you don't, it's going to beat the crap out of you and you're not going to enjoy this season. And that's not what sports is about. So I'm going to just, I'm going to restate what you said because I, I, I want to make sure I'm understanding. So winning is fun. Losing, you said, is never fun. So what you're telling your daughter to do is to figure out how she can win individually or in small ways when the overall score is a loss. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly it. And it, and it goes back to let, get everything you can out of this game. 
right? If yeah. you can't get a win, get some joy, right? Perform, try to perform at your highest level, mm-hmm. right? Do everything you can, work this way, and also engage your teammates and say, you know what? We can do this. Let's keep fighting. We're down by 20. Let's see if we can get Let's down get by. And, and work your teammates, right? And, and pat them on the rear end and pump them up when they make a great play. And, and, and lift them as well, right? Fill as many blocks as you can because you're not going to be able to fill it with a win. It's obvious in a lot of cases, right? Yep. So I think that's what I was talking about, the natural consequences, is to mm-hmm. find the natural consequences that occur earlier. And if you can't find them, you have to invent them. It becomes artificial right. consequences. Right. And I love right. token economies, and I, I'm a big, I love that. I think it's great. Um, one of the, you can, here, here's the risk that I've seen some parents, they fall into the trap of, um, protecting their child from a natural consequence until it has now left their plane of vision. So then the consequence is going to happen. I, I truly believe that every consequence from your decisions will, there will be a consequence. If a parent steps in and prevents that, all they've done is they've delayed it and perhaps made it so that there's not an opportunity for them to make a uh, a connection be- within their plane of vision. And right. so there's there's some risks if if you protect your child from a consequence that you're not really doing that. They go they will have that consequence someday, but yeah. you've made it so they can't learn from that. So, um, one of the things I've started doing uh, a couple of years ago is, um, I'm helping my kids deal with the consequences of their decisions of mortality and the decisions of others. So I'm not protecting them from those things, but I'm helping them deal with, okay, therefore what this has happened. Therefore, this is how we respond. This is the situation. Therefore, this is what we do. You know, my daughter would love to be on your daughter's basketball team, but the consequence of her back surgery is she's not allowed to play. Yeah. So one of the things we encouraged her to do is to support those, the team members who are playing, you know, to support right. those who are able to play and to cheer them on and not to be that bitter the temptation is just to ostracize and to protect yourself from the emotion of regret and fear of missing out by shunning it altogether. And that's not healthy. So deal with the consequence, not protect them from the consequence, just deal with it. I don't think, you know, I, I love what you're saying there because I, I saw this this week as a matter of fact, which is interesting, but, um, I think you're you're exactly right. If if they don't deal with our kids are going to face hard things. Yeah. If we will. don't let them face hard things in our homes where we love them and can help them through it, if we just protect them and and guard them from any consequences, they're going to get out into the world and it's going to be a lot harder and they're not going to be prepared. They're going to it's going to be really tough, right? Mm-hmm. The key is not to you know if your kid is a strong-willed child, and he goes to school and gets kicked out 
and you go to school and start screaming at them for kicking them out, you, it's not going to help your situation. Okay. Right. I had a, I had a, <laughs> I'm working with a, a company right now that I'll just give you a scenario. A 15 year old is not doing her job. A 15 year old? One five? 15 year old. Yeah. One five. She's working somewhere. She's not doing her job. So the guy who is running the company basically says he's going to, he's going to have her in and saying, you know, here's the problems. He's going to, it's going to be basically a, here's what I need. You're not doing this, but let's do it and it'll be okay. If not, we're going to have more problems, right? It's a, well, the 15 year old decides to invite her mom into this thing. Oh, right. That, that changes it for me. Like, okay. Here's the point. Optimist in me says, you know what? That's good. And that's what I said. It's probably good. Now, so what can happen is you can say, hey, mom, my goal here is to help your daughter become a productive employee. So I'm glad you're here. We're going to talk about some of the things that she's not doing that are required. And, right, if that this is perfect, right? The pessimist in me, the realist in me, says mom's coming in to protect her, right? And that's where you went immediately, right? Yeah. And that's where the, he went immediately. He went immediately it, there. It's a, it's not a social norm no. to have a parent show up when you're 30 to help yeah. you with a discipline issue at work. So when your child is 15, that is unusual as well, but it's not unheard of. So, you know, after considering it and thinking about some experiences I've had, I said, I want you to consider this. I want you to consider setting the stage for this mom. Yeah. Right. And say, hey, listen, I'm glad you're here. This can go one of two ways. If you are here to protect her from any consequences, it's not going to go well. It's You're probably going to be mad at me. That's not really what I'm after. Your daughter's going to be mad at me. She probably won't work here anymore. If you're just here to protect her, but if you've come in and you realize this can be a learning experience and we're going to work together, this can go really well. So, mom, you get to decide how this goes. Right? So... It can go either way, whichever way you decide. Yeah. If you're just here to say I'm wrong, she's right, then we we don't even have to have this conversation and we'll right, we'll go somewhere else. But if you realize this can be a great learning experience for all of us, we can we can handle this well, right? Yeah. And 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 I said, so after this meeting with the fifteen year old and her mom, I have another recommendation. I don't know what happened, by the way, yet. He said, what's the recommendation? I said, don't hire 15-year-olds anymore. There's a big difference between 15-year-olds and 18-year-olds. Okay? That's true. Just my opinion, right? But this should be a learning lesson for you too, right? It, it's something to the, – the, you have to consider who you're working with, right? And, mm-hmm. again, we – the parents that are having kids now are the first generation where everybody got a trophy, right? And And I disagree with – you're, they're teaching kids they are valuable just because they exist. And these kids have these extreme levels of self-esteem for no reason whatsoever. Now, we are all valuable just because we exist. And you should have a healthy level of, of, of self-esteem. 
But you also have to perform. If you want to be paid, you have to perform certain things. And, and that, that's right. There's a we have to make sure we understand that you don't deserve money for nothing. You deserve yeah. money for performance, right? There's a different we got to reframe this for these kids, right? Yep. And for some it, of these parents too. Some of these it, parents grew up with that's that's all they know, right? I got a trophy for everything I did. Even if I we lost every game this year, I got a trophy and they pumped me up and told me how great I was and I'm going to do the same with my kid and this kid has all this self-esteem and and because I know as parents we see our kids potential but the world sees their results. What's really we interesting be aware of those things is uh I so I used to run a company of, you know, 50 55 employees and we had managers and supervisors when I would hear a report from someone who was not about someone who was not performing. And then I would hear the supervisor say, well, they're trying really hard. Yeah. I, that I was like, okay, so I'm glad you recognize that they're trying really hard. So you're, what you're really telling me is they don't have the capacity to perform no matter how hard they try. So let's go ahead and end this. Oh, right. no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. Well, what are you saying then? Because if they're trying really hard and they're still failing to perform, it's not something that we can teach them because they're trying really hard. And it's it's really funny to call someone out and say, what you're telling me here is we should fire them now and stop working with them because they're trying their best. This is their best. They can't do more. Here's what's expected. They're missing the mark, so they should go away. And it's because they, these supervisors, these um, adults have been raised in that mentality that all that really matters, it's the thought that counts is one of those sayings that I disagree with. Right. right. It, the, it, it does matter to some extent, but it's really, sure. you know, hey, I broke your leg trying to help. It's the thought that counts. Mm, <laughs> no, it's the fact that yeah, you broke my leg. That counts. Yeah, you know? yeah I, I think you're right. All too, all too often. And and you and I have talked about this, right? The, what's your outcome? Yeah. Right. So you're out in the world. You're doing things. Yep. If you're getting bad results, you might consider changing how you're doing things. Now, this is harsh. This makes you turn. This makes you. This makes you work on yourself, right? But wait a minute. I'm valuable just because of me. I just get to be me. I just I'm valuable just because of me I am. Well, if your if your outcomes are not what you want, try something different, right? I mean, because yep. you want you want your results to reflect your effort, and if they don't, you should try be be adjusting, right? So I'll share you know, with you something. Go ahead. I was going to say the the there is an equation that is somewhat true most of the time, and that is um, amount of effort in should equal more of a result out. And if it's not, you're not relying upon true principles or you're not applying things to their fullest. 
Yeah. And I, I don't know, that's a controversial statement and I tried to soften well, it, but I'm going to make an even more controversial statement. Right okay. That's, I'm ready. That's, um, I'm going I'm to, I'm going to try to say it in the, uh, let me go back to what we said in the very first one. If this comes off as harsh or mean, that's not what we're trying to do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of the word deserve. <laughs> okay. People say, well, I deserve better. Maybe you don't I, now. Okay. I, I don't know what you deserve. I don't know who you are, but if you think you deserve happiness as a family, Deserve is a scary word, okay? And you're just default parenting or you're just sitting back and letting your, I mean, whatever it is you're doing doesn't mean yep. you deserve. Deserve is a word that people need to really figure out what it really means, okay? And the other thing, and I'm going to say this out loud, okay, and it's going to come off as harsh and I don't want it to, but I want, and I, I point my, when I'm pointing my finger this way, I know three of them are coming back at me. So I'm going to say this sure. in this manner, okay? Which is why I talk uh, like this. Yes. Yeah, you got to do that so that's everybody else and not yourself. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, social media is the king of somebody comes on there and, and vents or complains about something. To me, it's the same thing, by the way. Venting negatively is complaining. That's the definition of of complaining. If you vent and you do it in a negative way, it's complaining. Look up the definitions. People go online, okay. they vent online. People come and say, oh, you're a great parent. You're a great parent. You're doing the best you can. You're exactly the parent your kid needs. Yeah. Okay. Not everybody can. Are there bad parents? Yes. There has to be. I've been a bad parent. I have too. I, there I has think to we be. all have been bad parents. So there okay. has to be someone who's a bad parent more than a good parent. <laughs> Okay. I just hope it's not me. You, that's Sorry. What, that's my point. Quit. You may not check yourself on this. Okay. Say, and maybe don't say, just say, how can I be a better parent? Right. How can I be a better parent? Everybody's telling you you're a great parent. You're exactly who you need to be for your kid. Maybe not. Not everybody can be that. Maybe not. Give a little effort, right? Think about what you say. Consider things. You know, yesterday I was sitting in the stands and my son is 6'5". My daughter's twin brother plays basketball. Uh -huh. He's 6'5". He's a big, strong, strapping man. And he doesn't get much right. playing time right now. Yeah. And he's a sophomore, it, right? He's a sophomore, yeah. Okay. But but I, I've had people come to me and say, you know, hey, Jack's six five. I can see what they're thinking, right? Why is he not getting more playing time? Right? Right. Yeah. And it's because my my son Jack is a tender hearted, sweet. He is a great kid. He is he is loving and kind and buoyant and happy. And when I was growing up to play anyway. sports at that level, you had to have a nasty edge. Right? Yeah. I mean, that was 
I was not a great athlete, but I made up for it with nastiness and grit and determination and anger, sometimes rage. Okay. And I've thought about this. He doesn't really have that. We go to the Y and I'll see him over there taking shots and he'll slide up next to a, a, a 10 year old and start smiling at him and shooting and mirroring him. He's making friends with 10 year olds and they, they, they see what he's doing and he starts making. Now we go to the Y. He knows everybody. Everybody loves Jack, right? He's just right. The sweet. He's the kindest, sweetest kid. And I love that about him, right? Yep. I don't want him to be angry and and mean. I don't, I want him to be a good man more than I want him to be a great athlete. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so my my oldest son who was more physical and angry and that played with that mentality comes to me and says, "You know, you want me to talk to Jack about, you know, like playing nasty?" I said, "I no, not really. <laughs> not really. And he says, what? And I said, I don't, I'd rather him be a good man than a, than a great athlete. Right. I, yeah. I love who he is. Right. And so the idea, you know, we, we really need to think long-term for these kids as well. Right. We need to say for me, I want him to be a big, strong man that's a good man that's friendly and kind right i don't want yeah i don't want to turn him into some stinking animal so he can be a good high school athlete you know i'm sure it would help him but i don't really want that you know now if there's a way for him to turn it on and off which i think i think i'm gonna have him talk to you a little bit about that right but but i don't want to be that i I like him just the way he is right I, i long term it's much more important to me that he's this than this. Right. And so there, there's thought that goes into that for me. And I, I've talked to people and they've said, you've really thought about this. And I said, yes, I've thought about it. You know what? Because I think about all my kids and I spend time, you know, one of the things that, I mean, I just, I spend time considering each of them individually. Right. And who they are, and how to to best parent them in the way that they need it. I, I I like to to I think it's important for us to do that. You mentioned this. You got eight kids, and they're all different. Yep. They're all going to present different challenges. They're all going to have different temperaments. They're all going to have different emotional levels. They're all going to right. They're different, and they're going to be need, need to be. You're going to need to lead and guide them in different ways. In the third, right. You know, I have, I have parents come to me and say, how do you treat all your kids equally? Yeah, you don't. You really don't, man. You work yeah. with kids on an individual basis, in my mind. What When when someone says equally, what do you hear? Because I, I'm, I'm offended by the concept of equal unless it's principle-based. So I equally apply the principles to my kids, but because they're different, the everything is totally different, but the principles, I apply the same principles across the board. When I, when I think of somebody that says that it, um, it's somebody who's, who's a parent to a a bunch of kids and not a parent to each individual kid. Right. I don't say that out loud. Sure. But I think it's okay. I got this group 
here. I'm just going to run them this direction, right? And I, don't, I think we're, again, I'll go back to not every parent's a great parent. Some of mm-hmm. us may, may, may need a lot of work, right? To, to yep. parent your kids as a group seems a little short-sighted to me. You know, and, and obviously kids are resilient. You know, they can turn out good even. I mean, I've seen some really good men come out of really bad situations. I've seen some really bad men come out of great situations. You really don't know the path. But I really, yeah. I really like the idea of giving my kids as many unfair advantages as I can by, by trying to think through this stuff, right? Sure. I think that's why we do what we do, why we're having these conversations. Yep. Is because we want, we really, our goal is to, is to give them every opportunity. And that means we're okay with the work that comes along with that. Are, are you the one who shared with me about the, the empty aspirin bottle, baby aspirin bottle, where you lined all the kids up, gave them Epicac syrup to have them all throw up into the bathtub? No, no, I didn't do that. Oh, okay. There no. was some story. It wasn't that you had done it. I think somebody told me the story about a parent found an empty baby aspirin bottle and knew that they needed to get their kids to... Oh, and, okay, and okay. Instead of finding out who, you know, who did it, I'm sure they probably said, hey, who did this? And no one fessed up. Right. But then they just, they made everybody throw up. Now, see, that's equal. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't think that's right uh, per se, you know. Oh, George ate all the aspirin bottles, so let's make you all throw up to get the aspirin right. out. Well, I didn't have any aspirin. Doesn't matter. We've got to be equal. That's what yeah. goes through my mind is just unfair, un you know, ig- yeah. I like the way you put it, where every you, you talk, you parent each child individually, and I, I kind of feel that's what our Father in Heaven has done for us. And by the way, I like your T-shirt. Give us yeah. this day our daily buckets. <laughs> Does it have a reference underneath it? No, it's a uh, Axe Sports. Axe so Sports. So my son. My oldest son, Alec. By the way, this is why you don't want to break your strong-willed kids, right? Oh, yeah. Harness, yeah. Okay, go. He is so, he is so, one of the things I didn't like about him when he was a kid was he was so creative in how he challenged me. Super creative. That kid would come up with every idea under the sun to test my fortitude. I mean, he put me through it, right? Yeah. Now that he's an adult and he's married, he has all these great ideas that he implements. He tries. This is his new company that's a T-shirt company that he does scriptures that he turns into basketball scriptures, right? Right. Yeah. So so if you have a favorite scripture, he'll turn it into a basketball scripture by changing maybe one word. Right? Instead <laughs> Give of us this day our daily buckets. Yeah. And, and the idea, he calls it act, act sports, and it kind of is, you know, the acts, right? The scripture acts. The, but the idea for him is to, he loves basketball and he loves the gospel, right? But sure. he's not a preacher, right? Yeah. But but he's he thinks, I want I want to I want to spread goodness and joy, yep. you know. So I'm going to take scriptures and I'm just going to change words to buckets or. 
you know, and on the eighth day, God created, you know, a hoop or whatever, whatever he decides to do. But if you have a favorite, he's so creative. If you have a favorite scripture and you send it to him, he'll send you that scripture back in a, in a basketball term. Right. And it's so cool. (laughs) You know what I like about that one? So give us this day, our daily bucket. So if you go back, um, when dirt, when that scripture was written, give us this day, our daily bread, uh, sustenance to live you had to concentrate on that on a regular basis the the quote wasn't give us this day our daily air to breathe it was give us this day our daily bread that which you worked for the reward for the work that you were putting into it and what i love about this is it's it kind of modernizes it in a fun way but symbolically it's still hey give us this day our daily bucket it's not, uh, it, it's expected that you're going to have to do something more than just breathe to receive those buckets or those blessings. And I like that symbolism. So, you know what, here's, here's a story that you may not know. And this is why he gave me this shirt. Okay. He created this shirt. He, he, after I told him this story, he went home and made this shirt and gave it to me. And it, and it, hatched this idea for him. And it was this is, you know, when Shelly died, I almost died too. Right. You were sick. You were as sick as I've ever seen someone who wasn't in a hospital. Yeah. And I could not walk up my own flight of stairs without sitting at the top and resting for 10 minutes. And I was, my body was ravaged. Yeah. And I could not, I mean, I was in, and I'm not a young, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Right. But the one thing that I could do was I could go out and and shoot a free throw. And then I'd have to rest. Right? Or I or maybe I'd shoot too. Uh-huh. You know, but I love I love shooting. Shooting is something I love. And if if you hand a basketball to me, I'm looking for something to throw it in automatically, right? Yeah. Cuz that's I love to do that. And I got a membership at the Y. And I would go up there and sometimes sit for an hour and shoot for 10 minutes because I, I would, I, I was, my body was so ravaged. I couldn't right? I, and over time, slowly, 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 maybe I'd shoot for 15 minutes and then maybe 20, but it took me years. I mean, we're talking about, you know, and, and recently in the past couple of months, my son went over to the Y with me. And we're shooting. He's like, oh, my gosh, Dad. You're you're like, you're getting around. You're back. He's, yeah, he said, you're back. And I said, you know what? I, I, I really think shooting buckets saved me. It, it was my way of slowly restoring my health. Because, you know, I would get in... I would get in my own head and I knew it wasn't a great place to be. So I'd go shoot buckets. It it removed the world's, it removed the weight. Uh, I could just uh-huh. shoot. I could just shoot, right? And I loved it. And I said, I really believe that shooting buckets brought me back. That's really cool. And, I didn't know and that. He, and he went home and made me this shirt. And I'm like, oh, it's my favorite shirt in the whole world, right? Because yeah. I really do, it, it restored not only did it restore my health, but it kept me, it kept me, kept my sanity, right? It helped me cope through some of my most difficult moments is I was shooting, just yeah. shooting. 
is shooting. And and so it, it, it means a lot to me. But but when he said that to me, he said, you know, you're like, give us this day our daily buckets. And I'm like, what did you just say? And, and he's like, do you like that? I'm like, you have no idea. And he immediately yeah. ran home and, and made me a T-shirt, right? But, you know, it hatched this idea. But the, his creativity, if I had broken him, if I had said, you know, stop all that, just stop challenging me, uh-huh. you know, it, it would have it would have snatched some of that. You know, he writes screenplays for short films. He does all these really creative things in his life. Because I never tried to break him with the creativity. I just helped him learn to focus it, right, in, yep. in certain directions. And it's really now he loves that part of his life. He's And he knows how to direct it in a, in a productive manner, right? The strong yep. will that he has, I don't want it to go away, right? I want him to use yeah. it for good. And so the kids that challenge us that are spirited, we really got to resist the temptation to make our lives easier by squelching it. Right. And one way one way to go about that is to see how far into the future you can project your vision for your child. And um, my I have a daughter who is very quick witted and she has been sar- snarky is one term that people have used to describe her since she's been very young. Uh, this is a true story. When she was four years old, uh, my wife was pregnant with uh, our seventh child. And, uh, she was at the dentist's office going to get a cleaning, you know, four-year-old cleanings that, you know, you got to make them feel comfortable. So the hygienist is like, so are you excited about your, uh, the baby who's coming? And at four years old, she said, yes, but they won't let me name him. And she says, oh, what do you want to name him? And she smiles and says, Satan, (laughs) she's four years old. (laughs) okay that has just grown and amplified as she's gotten older and she is a creative writer she's actually she just told me the other day she broke uh her novel that she's writing she hit thirty thousand words i don't know if i've ever written thirty thousand words on one subject or topic right and but we and so i actually wrote this down uh i the word harness is one of the words I love. It's a noun. You have a harness, but it becomes a verb when you when you put it into action. And uh, for her, I hope she harnesses all of that wit, all of that internal, all the things that she is now hopefully applying appropriately and not saying all the time, but she's going to harness that and put it into her creative writing and put it into the way that she goes about things. And it's so fun, Kyle, uh, to not kill that because we could have, because it's been edgy. It's been edgy her whole life. Um, getting up in, in church on fast Sunday, fast and testimony meeting where it's open to the congregation to come up and share their testimony about Jesus Christ. Sometimes, her testimony was not about Jesus Christ, and we were unsure what it was she was going to talk about. And we had to look forward to the future for her and what it could potentially mean for her to be able to keep that. But we would help her bridle it so that it would be appropriate when she would use it. 
And it's still a challenge. You know, she's a teenager still. And so, but it's fun. The other day I had my wife plug her ears because um, my daughter and I, we, I have a morbid sense of humor. She is a deep thinker. I don't know if her sense of humor is morbid, but she can get my morbid sense of humor. My wife doesn't like my morbid sense of humor the way that I enjoy it. So uh, my daughter said something. I had something to say back. I asked my wife, I was like, could you plug your ears? And so she plugged her ears. I said my snarky thing back to my daughter. We fist bumped. And then my wife unplugged her ears and we went about our day. In doing that, I was modeling to my daughter the appropriate audience. Now, later I told my wife what it was, but I wanted my daughter to see that I was sensitive to those who were going to hear it so that she wouldn't think that you can just say whatever comes to your mind at any given point. And we've had the discussion many times to harness and to bridle and to leverage all of the things that are internal and let them out when it's appropriate, where you can get as much good as possible right? But it can bring as much joy and happiness to others. And it's not going to, and it's going to cause the least amount of harm to others because my morbid sense of humor, it can hurt people. It can really hurt people. I, uh, and and sometimes uh, it hurts them without knowing. And most recently I was talking to the sweet lady. She was asking me some advice and I was telling her what you taught with what you teach hook story offer because she's trying to launch a book. And I was like, well, it needs a hook, a story, and an offer. And she goes, well, can you give me an example? I was like, well, I'm working on some marketing too. And my my hook is I was sitting in my car watching my son, wondering if he was going to end his life in traffic. And that was devastating to her. That Mm. hurt her internally. I was like, right. well, yeah, it's a good hook. I, I yeah, don't yeah. like it. It's a good hook. Right. So I, I'm teaching my daughter these principles instead of telling her to be different and to change. And it's the one thing, I, my oldest daughter, who's 24 now, beautiful young woman, strong personality. I wish I had learned this lesson with her that it's okay for her to be the way she is and not try and change and sculpt her into what I think she should have been. Instead, I could have guided and talked about when to let that which is part of her out and how to bridle it and control where it's going and to harness it to, to get as much power from that as possible. I, I, a lot of what I did was framing it into how she could be different and how she could change instead yeah. of how she could apply it. And I wish I had been done different. I've talked to her about it. So, and luckily I started to apply these principles that I've learned for my younger kids. So they're, you know, my, my then four-year-old now teenager, 10, a decade later, you know, we did not squash that. We, we uh, accepted her that this was part of her and we've helped her to put it into the right frame of mind so that it's it's uh, appropriate and does the least amount of harm and the most good. Yeah, and I think you just described letting your child be who they are 
but also helping them to understand that there are outcomes that they need to pay attention to, right? And helping yes. them understand that is a it's not okay to just be who you want to be. Right. right. You don't be the Tasmanian devil spinning around and destroying everything that you come in contact with. That is not right. okay. Right, right. And but you want them to be the the core of who they are, right? That's yep. an important part, but also learn from your successes and failures, right, in the world. Right. One of the one of the problems I have these days is people that and this is going to be another probably touchy subject for some people is, you know, I believe there's a cost to what you do in this world. And people don't like that. Right. We've got my son's best. One of my son's best friends is an atheist who has big giant gauges in his ears. Uh huh. And he's tattooed up. And for people who don't know what a gauge is, it looks like someone took a piece of PVC pipe, cut it, and then stuck it in their earlobe. Yeah, it's kind of like some old African, like an African king or something, you know, that something it's just, yeah, it's not, it's not an earring, but it stretches the lobe out. So there's a big hole in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, he, there's a lot of people out there that, that say, don't judge me. And you say, you know, you're right. You shouldn't judge people, but the world does. There's a cost when you have a gauge in your ear. Some people are going to, they're going to say, yeah, I'm not talking to that guy because he's got a gauge in his ear. That there's a cost to things. Now, people want to do the craziest, wildest stuff. They want to put rings in their noses. They want to tattoo up their necks. They want to do all these things. They don't want there to be any cost. And they're mad at you if there is a cost, but there is a cost. Now, should there be a cost? Probably not. Maybe not. Who knows? I don't curse. Okay. I don't curse. Never. Ever. My, if I burn myself, I say, you know, I am all whatever. I, I've got made up words. My kids laugh at me. Right. Because I don't want to pay the cost. Maybe yeah. the world's okay with cursing. But if one person doesn't like cursing and I curse and they go, I don't want to be around that person. I'm not really interested in paying that price. <laughs> but there is a price for what you do and what you say in this world. And if whether it's fair or not, I'm going to live in the world as it's created. Right. I'm going to do my best to create my own world, but I also have to live in the world that's around me. And we got to let kids see there there's costs to certain things, right? Mm-hmm. And let them understand that your outcomes are the cost you pay for saying things quick-witted or, you know, being morbid in the wrong situation. There's a cost and you need to, if you're okay with paying that, Right. There's also a cost to smoking cigarettes, to vaping, to cigars. There's costs to a lot of things. Right. Not yeah. showering, having dreadlocked hair. There's a cost to all this stuff. Nobody wants to pay it anymore. They're mad at you if they have to pay it. But believe me, they're paying a the cost. Now, you so got to ask gonna, yourself. One step further. Okay. They want the benefits of it and they don't want to pay the cost. So that's the, exactly the, right. I have a cousin who uh, does dreadlocks and she always has no worries, right? But right. she does it to signal her peer group something about herself. Right. And then the guy at work, oh my goodness, it's some of the most beautiful ink I've seen in ages. Okay. 
It's an American flag on his forearm, and it is so detailed. It's gorgeous. Now, I'm a fan of ink. I don't have any tattoos for religious purposes. I won't. But, boy, howdy, do I admire his ink work. Totally different than there's a guy on Dry Bar Comedy. You should look it up. It's on YouTube. It's called... um, I've seen him. I've seen him. Okay, yeah. The Prisoner of Ask... Or the... Yeah. Anyway, very entertaining. Tattoos all the way up. All those things. Uh, He's paying a cost, but there's also the benefit of that. And if you're if you're okay paying the cost and having the benefit, that's one thing. And hey, more power to you. It's when you want the benefit and you're not willing to pay the cost. Uh, sorry, that's not how it works. Right. That's and I think way too many way too many folks think there shouldn't be a cost for anything anymore. Yeah. I should be able to put a piercing in my forehead. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you pass judgment on me, something's wrong with you. You know what? Guess what? You, there's a cost. There's a cost. And, so, and if you, you got to be okay to pay that cost. Now, if it bothers you that people judge you when you do things that are outrageous or crazy, that's the cost you pay. Now, and again, you got to pay attention to these outcomes, right? I had uh-huh. a son who was my oldest son, very quick witted, strong willed, would challenge teachers. And paid a price. Mm-hmm. And he would come home and he would say, she's doing so-and-so and so. And I'd say, well, tell me about what's happening. And he would never give me the full range of what his part in it was. Sure. Right? I mean, I'll, I'll give you a fun example. He got into a fight when he was in elementary school. Okay. And he came home and he was busted up. And I said, what happened? I got in a fight. What happened? He told me what happened. So I went up to the school because I knew I was going to have to anyway because both of them got busted up a little bit. And I said, well, here's what happened. Teacher said, yeah, that's not exactly what happened. Really? Yeah. Now, what happened was a variation of what my son told me from his perspective. I'm not saying he lied about it, although he may have. I'm not putting it above him, right? Sure, yeah. And the other kid had a different variation of it, completely different variation. And the teacher that saw the whole thing had a third variation. It was probably closer to the truth, right? Sure. And so I said, oh, okay, right. Now, I could have gone up there and said, my kid said this happened. It's what happened. You guys are wrong. Action needs to be taken. But again, I went up and said, tell me, here's what he says happened. What what did you hear? I don't want to protect him, right? I want him to learn from these experiences, right? Yep. And I went home and said, you know what, Alec? Here's what we got to do, right? And so we had this conversation, and I let him suffer the the painful outcome. Again, I love him. It's Uh a lot easier to let them struggle in our presence through these difficult situations because we love them, right? And we'll work through, like you said, you'll help them. You'll help them deal with the consequences because there are going to be consequences either now or later. You know, what's funny. I had a situation similar where one of my daughters did something and she was morally correct in her actions. She was morally correct to take action. Um, and I told her, I want you to do that again every time. Now 
we're not going to stop the consequence from happening. The right. song is choose, uh, choose the right, let the consequences follow. <laughs> it is not choose the right, prevent the consequences from happening. Yeah. And well, that that's a, that's also you know my son is struggling with a knee injury right now. My oldest six oh. five son. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. He he uh, playing he was playing high school football, and he strained his left knee LCL. Okay. And it takes time to recover, right? And he'll keep tweaking it during basketball season, and it, it's and so he's you know it's it's not making him happy because he's not at full strength. He wants to be at full strength. Sure. I'll come home. He's got ice on his knee, right? And you know, we—I can tell—he's good spirited about it. He knows it's part of life, right? I mean, and a, a couple of nights ago, I could see he's getting a little bit down about it. I said, "How you feeling?" And we kind of had a little conversation about it. And I said, "You know what? Now's when you get to really—I mean." You get to really show the world who you are, right? I mean, are you just happy because not everything's going right? Mm-hmm. Are you just a buoyant, great kid when everything's going your way, right? Or, or, and and frankly, no, he's a great kid even when he's struggling with this stuff, right? And I, and I was, and I, I think I was, my my intention in doing this was to show him, dude, you're 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 gonna face challenges. But you are this man, and you're growing into this man that faces challenges in a spirit, in a certain spirit. And I love that about you. I'm watching you face this challenge, right? Yeah, yeah. And he, and he, and I'm sitting in my favorite chair, and he's sitting in front of the fireplace, which is actually right next to me here, right? Oh. And he's sitting on the on the hearth, uh, and he says, "You know what, Dad? That's what you did. That's what you do." Wow. You know, that's... I, I watched, and I said, I said, you know what? I appreciate that. You're, you know, things get hard, man. We're going to struggle. We're going to face challenges that are overwhelming. Sometimes seem like they should break us. Right. I, I struggle with knee injuries as a kid too. So I can, I can talk to him about it and I can say, Hey, right. Here's what we got to, you got to ice it. You got to rest it. Rest, ice, elevation, compression, right? Rice. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm working through this with him, but I, I know it's a struggle. I felt it, but I'm watching him handle it so well, right? That's awesome. And, and go through these things. And my daughter last night, I could tell halfway through the game, the first half, she was struggling because her teammates, she felt like they couldn't, they weren't helping. She just was on her own. I could see it in her eyes. Yeah. And she came off the court at halftime and I could see her eyes. It was in her eyes like, I, I this is, I can't do everything. She was, right? She was really trying her hardest and she was just, I could tell she was feeling let down. And she looked at me, right? And I looked at her and I said, hey, you got to, now's the time to play with joy. Stand up, right? You're facing the biggest, this is the hardest part. What are you going to do right now? You know? She came back out after halftime and had one of her best games, even though they lost. She right. she fought, she struggled, she worked. And and after the game, I said, you know what? I don't think I've ever y'all you guys lost pretty bad. I don't think I've ever been prouder of you. 
than to see you at the breaking point, right? And then reframe this thing and go, you know what? I'm, this is not how I ain't going down like this. Yep. You know, and to see my son do it and realize they've, they've started to, that's what, that's what they should be learning as kids, right? Is how to manage those difficult things. We can't hide them from them because the world will not allow that. There's no way they're going to struggle now or they're going to struggle later. Right. How do we help them through it? How do we, and they're going to challenge now and they're going to challenge later. Right. They're going to, they're going to be strong willed now. (laughs) We we don't want to break them of it. We want them to be strong willed later in a, in a way that's right. That's directed and bridled. And I think it's really, it's going to take a lot of effort on our parts. Yep. To really work through that and to think about it. How do we do this? Right. How do we, how do we let them grow that spirit in a positive way? Teach them discipline. Teach them when it's appropriate. Teach them when it's not. Right. And and not and not be about us. Mm-hmm. It's not about our emotions and feeling attacked and feeling challenged. It's about teaching them how to run that road. Can right? we talk a little bit about the risks of being? Uh, so there, you and I are very different. We we grew up very different. There's risks to being similar to how I was growing up as a dad, as a parent. And there are risks uh, associated with being strong-willed and spirited like you were growing up. And now you're a dad. So you talked earlier about that you started off with the first two kids kind of using fear as the, hey, this is, you know, chill out, fellas. I, I'm bigger than you, whatever it was. Right. Um, a lot of a lot of my the so let's talk about the risks from both sides because both have risks. Both have yeah. blessings. There's risks. Yeah, so the the real risk that I you know, I, I was forced to change my approach dramatically when my number three son came along. Severe autism. Uh he would he was he would not back down. If I got if I tried to put fear into him, he would it was like giving Godzilla electricity, mm. right? He'd ramp yeah. up even more. There was no line he would not cross in an attempt to control, right? Yeah. And so I realized that the only way really to manage him was through was really through patience and loving kindness and really creating very specific strategies that I could use in situations that helped guide him. Now, what do you, what do you think would have happened if you hadn't made the change? Where, where he would, would be, he would be either in prison or in a uh, an asylum that had him heavily medicated so that he didn't hurt people. He didn't try to impose his will on everybody else. That uh, I truly believe he he's learned how to regulate himself by watching us. And he's learned how to control his emotions because he gets really ramped up and he's so he knows he knows there's a line he 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 knows there's a line he can't cross in public, right? Sometimes he'll still try it here, but it doesn't work. Yeah, and so he realizes right. it doesn't work and he doesn't cross that. I can let him go out and do things on his own. I I do I know examples of other I've got people that I know very close to my family who have kids that have challenged 
the parents have used uh, fear. The mom used fear until they got bigger than mom. Then she used uh, medication, heavy medication on them. Mm-hmm. Then she used guilt. And and I'm, I'm telling you this from the perspective of the son who I ended up working with. All his brothers were on heavy medication. Uh, two or three of his brothers have had drug addiction problems. Uh, this one kid almost killed himself on purpose uh, through a drug overdose. Um, because they felt manipulated by, you know, and I'm not saying their mom was a manipulator. I'm saying that was their perception of fear didn't work. So she used guilt. So she used all these things again. I don't think she was, had any inherently bad intentions. I think she was just, didn't know what to do. She didn't create a plan. She, she didn't, she didn't, she just would default to whatever came naturally. And and in some cases it was guilt and some, he told me a story about one time where um, the mom wanted the kids to do housework. And they just, they realized pretty quickly as kids, if they didn't do it, she would get overwhelmed and angry and frustrated and scream and yell. And she would create a new program. Program of the week. We're going to try a new program. And they knew if they waited her out long enough, this is the son telling me this, she would get mad, frustrated, angry, discouraged, cry, scream and yell, cry. And then all the kids would come around her and say, we're so sorry. But then that program would fail. And then she would try a new one. And he, the the boy felt like this was a guilt trip. And after a while, he's like, I'm, I know what she's doing. She's trying to guilt me into doing this crap now. So I ain't going to do it. This is a really strong willed kid. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so eventually she put them all on medications, heavy medications that, that just draw that basically turned them into walking zombies. They still didn't do the housework. They never did. Or, right. Right. And so, you know, there's there's been different. One of the kids has grown up to be pretty. He has gone back and looked at it. I've talked to him. And he realized that she was doing the best she could. And is, and now he realizes he there's a different way to do it. And he's looking at it from a different viewpoint. Mm-hmm. He won't do it. He won't medicate. Right. He's really against medication. Another one of her kids hates her. They can't get, you know, it's really a, a, it's a really dysfunctional situation in a lot of ways. Um, Sure. But the father was tried all kinds of different things too. And I think would the kids, the kids, when kids are velociraptors, they figure out what works to get their way. Sure. And and a lot, all too often as parents, we just default to, letting our emotions take over. Right. And that could yeah. be anger or crying or whatever the case may be. And the kids so, learn from these experiences. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying these kids are bad by the way, because that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying these kids are, they're figuring out how to get what they want or do what they want or try to work within the world they're in. Mm-hmm. And we're not perfect parents. Right. So nope. we, sometimes we're, we're figuring it out too. So yeah. really strong kids. It's not that they're being bad. They just they just want. They're figuring things out. They're testing. They're creative. They're smart. They learn what happens. They learn how to how to work the system, in their right. 
We just have to create a system that helps them learn that being good, being kind, <laughs> being, being friendly, being helpful is the very best way to get everything you want in this world, right? And if we don't teach them that, they, they learn other ways to do things. Mm-hmm. Again, the way to get everything you want and see judgment on the, on the parenting. I, I realize that and not pay hard when you have kids, right? And kids are going to challenge you and test you. But so, default is, is not great. A great idea. Okay, so I'm going to re, re, I'm going to restate kind of what you're you're describing. So if you are a strong-willed, uh, spirited parent and you're raising challenging, spirited, strong-willed children, that conflict could escalate so much so that then you lose all influence over your child because they are either taken from you, heavily medicated, or put into an institution. So you no longer have any influence. You, you're, you're no longer their parent. In the same way, on the other side of the coin, the passive coin, the go with the flow coin, uh, the risk is that your child will then control everything and not learn any self-control. And as soon as they are inter-society, they will be locked up. Well, society- and not necessarily, yeah, and... and- so to speak, they're, they're going to suffer consequences in the real world that are going to be a lot harsher than than we want to see them suffer, right? Uh, you know, your wife shared a story with me, by the way. Okay. And she said, to it, your daughter was struggling with some things. And your mom thought, I'm going to treat her in a loving way and I'm just going to give her space. I'm going to give her space. She just needs space, right? And... She didn't realize, and she thought that was the loving thing to do, right? And she realized later on that that was absolutely not helpful for your daughter. That right. All she was doing was giving in to her, your daughter's, uh, your daughter was getting what she wanted, which was leave me the crap alone, mom. Yeah, because well, as soon as she had space, she could go do whatever she wanted. I didn't know that with, part. With, yeah. with with what's funny is because externally it looked like she was loving uh, in a structured environment or grounded, but yeah. internally she was free to do whatever she wanted internally, yeah. and, and that's again, what she was going for. And again, yeah. we're not saying uh, we need to be clear. We're not saying kids are bad. They're just doing what works, right? They're right. doing to to figure out how the how the world works, and to. Mm-hmm. You know, here's one of the things I, I, I realized with my number three son. I did some research. My son has oppositional defiance disorder. My number three son, more severe on the spectrum. Yeah. So he really can't really understand consequences very well anyway. Yep. Okay. So I read this. I was I was studying this and it said oh. that the typical parent makes 50 commands a day of their kids. <laughs> and I said, that sounds crazy to me. I don't command my kid to do anything. Right. So one morning before he left for school, I counted. And before he left for school, I counted 29 things. Get ready. Put your shoes on. Eat your breakfast. These are all me telling him what to do. 29 commands before he even left the house. Now, kids that are are strong-willed or spirited or challenging, they think they want to control their worlds. They think we control their worlds. So they're going to fight that. 
because mm-hmm. they want to be in charge of their life. This is a natural yep. thing for us all, right? The reality is we as parents don't have any control of anything. And we know that because we're wise enough to know we have no control of anything. But they think, because they can't see beyond tomorrow, and- that we're controlling their world. So they're going to create that resistance, right? And so my job is to give him as much control as I can in healthy ways, right? I created a specific strategy for that to to decide what really mattered, uh-huh. give him as much control as I could, but also make sure that there were some things that were lines in the sand, right? You don't but I, yeah. I had control over everything in his life, and I thought, I got to give him more control over 99% of it because 99% of it doesn't matter. Mm. The 1% that's really important to him in his life, that's where I need to give him structure. The rest of it, the kid doesn't have to make up his bed every day. Now, some people might not like that, but does he know how to make his bed up? Yes. When When he moves out of the house, is he capable of making his bed? Yes. Okay. That's... I'm going to, I'm not going to worry about bed making up. Okay. That's not a battle I want to fight. That's not a control I want to have. Do I, is he going to go to church with me? Yes. That is a, that's a line that I'm going to draw. Now, how do I give him all kinds of control in going to church? He gets to pick out his tie, his pants, his shoes, his, which one are you going to wear? How many of the, you know, I, I'm going to give him 99% of the control. The only 1% I want is that he goes with me. Right. So it's really and and this took me a year to develop this strategy. This was a long time because he would if I said, Eric, let's go get ice cream. He heard that as I'm controlling you and you're going to eat ice cream. And he would say, no, even though he loves ice cream. I'm like, why would he not want to go get ice cream? And I realized I was saying it. Let's go get ice cream was a command, even though I've said it kindly. Hey, Eric. Let's go get ice cream. He heard a command yeah. because he's so strong-willed, right? Yep. So I just say, Eric, would you like to go get ice cream? It changed it for him. He said, of course. What am I, stupid? I mean, or Eric, would you like to wear your blue pants or your brown pants to church? Would you like to wear this pair of shoes or this pair? Would you like to wear this tie or this tie, this shirt or this shirt? It's up to you. Would you like to brush your teeth now or five minutes before we go? Would you like to get uh, breakfast before we go? Would you like to do right? I give him all this control over all these things that don't matter. And then I say, all right, you ready to go? Sometimes he would say no. I would say, okay, you're going to be ready in five minutes or 10 minutes? Five minutes. Okay. Five minutes later. Hey, it's five minutes later. You said you were ready to go. Are you ready to go? You said, yeah, I'm ready. Perfect. Right. And now that sounds like a lot of work, but let me tell you what's worse. Fighting over everything is a lot of work and it exhausts me. Right? Yeah. But asking questions, letting him control 99% of the interactions. And I think that's the key with these kids that we got to really figure out. We got to write. I have a list of things that really matter for him. Everything else is up for grabs with him. Do you want this? Do you want that? What about this? What do you think of that? And it's all questions, right? This is a strategy that was a long, hard process to to learn. But now that kid has 99% control of his life and he thinks he's happy. The things that really matter are the areas that I give him the discipline that really matter, right? Now, with your other kids, you don't have to do 99%, right? There's a balance in there, but you got to find it. 
Yeah. You know, your kid may express their control by just not wanting to make their bed. And if you're a mom that wants beds made, you might have to consider that something you, it's flexible. If your kids are strong-willed, right? You got to consider. You got to, you know, you said it earlier. Uh, lower your expectations with their ability, with their willingness, and and help them see the vision, right? Yeah. So, sometimes make your bed because I want you to, because I like all the beds made up. That 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 may not be a fight worth having, <laughs> right? Right. It wasn't for me. My kids don't do chores around our house. Now here's what does happen. I say, hey Chloe, will you help me do the dishes? She says, sure. I say, Jack, will you help me? Sure. Hey, Chloe, I walked by your room. It was kind of messy. I know. Can you clean it up? Sure, I'll clean it up. I walk by the next day. It's not cleaned up. Hey, Chloe, you said you'd clean it up today. Will you do it yesterday? Will you do it today? I'm sorry, Dad. I'll get to it today. I walk by the next day. Chloe, if you don't clean up your room, there's you won't be doing this. Okay, okay, I got it. Right. So it's there's so much flexibility in what I do with my kids. Because they're all these powerful souls, these spirited kids that want, right? She knows how to clean up her room. And when she becomes an adult, she can choose what she wants, right? I want her to learn what she cares about and what she doesn't care about now, right? I'm going to say that I agree with you in all of what you're saying. There's one addition thing and that sometimes it's good to develop a habit of being able to work within a system doing things where there isn't flexibility. But that's one of those lines you got to choose. Okay, is this one of those things or not? By the way, my aunt who passed away this past year, uh, she was appalled all the time that Sarah and I don't make our beds as adults. Yeah. And uh, what what was fun though is I was like, well, let's let's give it a try and let's see what, what the big deal is. And I actually like having my bed made. Yeah. I was surprised. I didn't, you know, I was like, what's the big deal? Oh, well, I tried it. So my aunt, she had influence on me as an adult and I started making my bed as an adult. But did, am I going to make my kids make their bed? No. But if it was important that the beds were made, then I would figure out a way either for them to make their beds or for their beds to be made. Because yeah. If, if it's not important for me to have them make the bed, but it's important for the bed to be made, we can still make that happen without having to make it that person make the bed. So, I also want to add this, and yeah. I think this is vital. Do not ask your kids to do anything that they haven't seen you do plenty. Okay? Because you want to, your kids will screw, they will sniff out a hypocrite so stinking fast, man. They will sniff out a hypocrite. So it don't. If you want your kids to wash dishes after dinner, make sure they've seen you do it plenty of times and you help them plenty of times. Okay, because if they think you're they're doing your job, which kids do think that. Ain't my house. I just live here. Your house. I, by, by the way, I know this because I was a kid. I was that kid. Okay? I mean, I... I it's, it's hard for me to remember some of this sometimes, but I'm like, yeah, I remember. Right? Make sure your kids see you doing what you ask them to do and join them regularly in that. Right? I mean, if you ask your daughter, 
I'll ask my daughter, hey, could you clean up your room? And if I see it not done the next day, I say, hey, Chloe, I'm going to go up and start cleaning your room. Look at it. I, I got it. I got it. Don't do that. I'll help you. Okay. Will you help me? Yeah, I'll help you. We'll have fun. Right. And we will. We'll do it together sometimes. Okay. We'll throw yeah. dirty clothes right. in the hamper. We'll do this. We'll do that. Because I'm not a, they know I'll do anything I ask them to do, I'll do. And I've done it. And and it, it makes a difference to a kid to know you're not just trying to get them to do something. They see you as lazy if they don't yep. think you're willing to do it or they haven't seen I, you do it. I think this is a great way to end it. Okay. If you have a strong-willed, spirited, or challenging child, one of the best tactics once you get the so sorry real quick what what's the uh acronym it's uh uh tactics was like number two or whatever what it's uh goal oh it's uh what's the challenge what's the long term objective there we go objective what is the strategy and what are the specific tactics yeah okay the tactics is the last thing so you guys get the other things down right spirit of love okay that's where you start with everything but Here's a tactic that works exceptionally well if internally it's true for you. If it's not true for you, they will sniff it out and it's you're going to be a hypocrite and it won't work. But if you can get yourself to the point where you're willing to help your child do that thing which they are having a hard time doing, the spirited ones, the strong-willed ones will want to do it without you. And yes. so you help them a couple times. Hallelujah. They start doing it on their own. It's great way to end. Yeah. Great way to end, Cameron. I, I like that. I appreciate the time, Cameron. Thanks for the conversation. You bet.